84% of students found their online tutoring experience to be more effective or as effective as the experience they'd had in person. This is remarkable to me, that the main challenge of, of online tutoring is internet connectivity. A lot of the tutors involved, 80% of them, um, previously had zero experience of online tutoring. I think you've blown my mind. <laughs> Welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. I'm your host, Ludo Miller, and I'll be interviewing tutors and thought leaders from across the tutoring landscape to inspire, inform, and motivate you to become the best tutor you can be. The Qualified Tutor Community is a safe and supportive space for tutors who love to learn and grow. We offer training, resources, ideas, and a chance to connect with like-minded tutors. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor Community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes. In this week's episode, we continue our podcast series with Bramble, the online tutoring platform that's revolutionising the way we deliver tutoring in this new virtual environment. In this second episode of the series, we delve deeper into the data from the survey itself, data we touched upon in episode one. The results are truly fascinating, and Will Chambers, Bramble's co-founder, alongside Julia Silver, Qualified Tutors founder, and Adrian Conway, our lead facilitator and course writer, were able to explore different aspects of what they found, and how this will be important in the months to come. The discussion here was recorded alongside the relevant slides from Bramble's survey data, the full video of which is available on Qualified Tutor's YouTube channel, and the link of which is in the show notes. This survey is the largest ever conducted into online tutoring, and the results from this will direct the online tutoring industry for months and years to come. This episode is for all those who consider themselves part of the industry. Welcome, Will. Morning. We're really, really happy to have you and Adrian on the podcast today. And we've got the video running as well because we, we want to give our listeners a tour of this white paper that you've launched last week. Um, it's a wide ranging view of online tutoring and it shows how effective it is and it shows how we can make it more effective. And the thing that I'm finding really fascinating is how deep you can go with the analysis of what works well and what people are doing. So I think what we're going to do is just ask you the kind of questions that give you a chance to really explore the information and, and give us a sort of a tour of what you found. And, and we'll see if we can pull out some, some insights from that. So thank you so much for joining. And let's just get stuck right in. So the white paper starts with this important question of how effective is online tutoring? Um, and we can see these bar charts here. Will you talk us through them, please? Yeah, so just, a, I guess, a, a bit of background on, on where this data's come from. Um, so the, the data making up the white paper comes from two sources, really. Um, the first of which is a survey we ran earlier this year where we asked over 2,000 people, tutors, students, parents, schools, organisations, um, a real mix of people for their 
thoughts and experiences on online tutoring, um, you know, largely over the three months of, of lockdown we'd had at that stage. Um, so that's kind of part one of the report. And then the, the second half is, is looking at the, the Bramble data set as a, as a whole. Um, you know, we've got over half a million hours now um, of, of, of usage on the platform. Um, and we kind of dug into a, a subset of those sessions to start looking at, you know, what topics and subjects are people being tutored in and, and what does that tell us about where students are, are struggling. So to come back to that, that question of, of efficacy, um, that was obviously one of the key ones we were, were keen to ask in that survey. And we, we positioned the question quite simply. We said that thinking about your experience of in-person tutoring previously versus your experience of online tutoring over the last few months, how effective have you found online to be? Has it been more effective? Has it been as effective or has it been less effective? Um, and I think it's important to note, in terms of the respondents we, we had to this, these weren't people who had loads and loads of experience of online tutoring necessarily. Um, a lot of the tutors involved, 80% of them, um, previously had zero experience of online tutoring and had to transition online at the drop of a hat when lockdown loomed. So it's very interesting seeing how quickly they've been able to, to get up to speed. So the headline stats really were that students, I think about 84% of students found their online tutoring experience to be more effective or as effective as the experience they'd had in person, um, which was, was striking. Uh, that number for parents, organizations and tutors was around about three quarters, around about 75%. So again, pretty high given that this was, was kind of adopted at the, at the drop of a hat, um, but also interesting to see that that students are kind of leading the way and, and even more positive about it than, than some of the other parties involved. That's such a powerful point that students are leading the way. Mm. So um, tell us about tutors then, because if we know that students are confident with using the tech, let's look at this. The efficacy rating for um, prior, for, for tutors with prior online tutoring experience. Tell us about that. Yeah, so one of the things we really wanted to do with this paper was was dig into the next level of, of questions. So we'd actually published that result around efficacy earlier in the summer. But what we hadn't done was ask the question, OK, what are the factors driving this perception of efficacy? Um, so one of the first things we looked at was how does the tutor's prior online tutoring experience predict or, or, or impact their perception of, of efficacy of, of online. So does a tutor who has lots of experience tutoring online find it more effective than, than one who has less experience? Um, and perhaps unsurprisingly, um, the answer to that is, is yes. Um, so that's the chart you can see there. Um, tutors who previously had no experience tutoring online found online tutoring to be more effective or as effective in around about 65, 70% of cases. I think what's quite interesting though, is that that jump between 0% prior online experience and 10% online experience is significant. So any sort of experience online, and you saw around about a 10% jump in how effective they rated online tutoring uh, to be. So what that kind of indicated to us was, again, perhaps un unsurprising, but interesting to have this confirmed, is that, that that familiarity, a bit of training, um, a bit of testing, a bit of experience 
probably as much as anything just builds the confidence you need to then go on and deliver really effective online tutor. It'd be interesting to know, Will, wouldn't it, about the, you know, how, at what point do they feel that they have got the tools to do the job? Because obviously that, that, that from zero to 10% is upskilling effectively, aren't they? You know, they're, they're, they're experimenting, trying things out. Some things will work, some things won't. And it, it'd be interesting to know how many hours or how many tutoring sessions it would take till you get to a point where you feel that you are prepared, you're ready, you're in that zone. But it, I think I think the percentages you're showing there are, are, are higher than I would certainly have expected, you know, which is fantastic. I've got an incredible example for this. Sorry to interrupt you, Will. During lockdown, my teachers in, in our primary school were delivering lessons over Zoom. And on the first day that they launched the first lesson, obviously, it was a really wobbly day. But it happened to be that one of my friends has two children in the school. And the same teacher was delivering two sessions, one at 9.30 in the morning and the other at 12.30 midday. And the first session was really wobbly and you could hear how stressed out the teacher was. And the, the friend of mine contacted me afterwards. She said, the second session, it sounded like the teacher had gone off and done a, a three-week course <laughs> on tutoring online, teaching online, but between the three hours because... The first plunge in tech is always overwhelming. And we see this in our courses. Workshop one has a wobble in it when people sort of find their feet. And by workshop two, people are just sort of in the flow because tech's designed like that, especially if the platform's comfortable. Yeah, and I think that links to your point, Adrian, about surprisingly positive results in, in terms of how high those efficacy ratings were spoke to the fact that actually people did get up to speed very, very quickly. Um, and, and it's not something to be to be scared of. And it's totally fine. The first session is going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, so, you know, if, if you can do that session with, with someone you know, rather than a student, great, um, and, and kind of get over that, that wobble initially. Um, but you're going to pick it up pretty quickly, um, which is, is what the data um, seems to suggest. And I, would, I would imagine that lockdown has actually... In some ways, because there's no alternative, there was no, you know, in that three-month period, there was no alternative, was there? There was no option of a face-to-face element or an online element. It was online or nothing. That was that was your choices, really. So I guess people have come to terms with with that side of it as well. And you know, the, 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 it's a, it's the, the online is certainly better than nothing. And actually, what they've discovered from showing the data here is that actually using the online was a much more positive experience than they perhaps anticipated. Um, and I, th- I think that's, you know, people do have that fear of online of, you know, sort of the, the tech side of it. Is it going to work? Is it going to do what it's supposed to do? Um, but no, I, I think that's fantastic. And I think, I think it really lays the foundations for, for moving this forward at quite some pace really, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a comment sort of later in the report that the speed of adoption really is, is testament to the, the educators and the students kind of willingness to, to adapt um, yeah. so quickly. Um, it's super encouraging to, to see. So let's look at this, the challenges of online tutoring. Um, and we've spoken, we've spoken about the fact that experience helps. Now let's look at the barriers. So this is remarkable to me, that the main challenge of, of online tutoring is internet connectivity. Um, and you have another study, another report here. 
So tell us for a second, Will, about barriers for learning online. Um, and what I'm noticing from the study is it's the hardware rather than the software that's going to create the barrier here. So talk to us about that, please. Yeah, well, critically, um, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there that the conversation is not just about hardware. It's about hardware and internet connectivity. And a lot of the, the conversation I've certainly seen in, in the press and the wider media has conflated those two things. Um, you know, the device you use is separate from the internet connection you have. Um, and why is that important? Well, that's important because our results show that the internet connection has the biggest impact by, by far and away. Now, of course, if you have no device at all, then you can't get on the internet in, in the first place. So there's a, there's a bit of a, a chicken, egg, chicken and egg situation there. But if you do have a device, it's the internet connectivity that is making the biggest difference. Um, and that's, that's demonstrated by this chart on screen now, um, where we, we, we split tutors who had experienced internet connection issues and those who hadn't experienced internet connection issues and then looked at their efficacy ratings. And sure enough, mm -hmm. if you've experienced internet connection issues, you've generally found online tutoring to be less effective. Um, you know, still upwards of 50% of, of, of them found it to be pretty effective, um, which again is, is encouraging. Those are people who had connection issues and still were generally pretty positive about the experience. But it was interesting to see that um, as the, the the kind of biggest issue raised. And the reason I think that distinction between internet connection and device is so important is that there are simpler, cheaper steps you can take to resolve internet connectivity than you can devices. Um, so again, you, you, you're assuming a, a base level of, of access to technology, which not everyone has and that is a a big and, and separate issue um, but assuming there is a, a wi-fi router in the house somewhere something as simple as running an ethernet cable from that wi-fi router straight into the device being used is going to make a massive difference to internet connectivity and that ethernet cable costs five pounds um, mm. rather than 200 pounds for a, a, a laptop or, or, or whatever else um, so increasingly especially a number of the charities we work with, the first piece of advice I give them is, you know, what can you do to improve internet connectivity? Um, again, assuming that the device is, is there in place. I think that's, uh, that's a really strong point, isn't it? Yeah. We're all about clearing barriers. There's a very strong message there as well for um, infrastructure nationally, isn't there? You know, as, as a nation, um, you know, and, and um, you know, the utilities companies and those sorts of things, because actually, apart, apart from things within our own household, there's very little we can do about connectivity issues, really. Um, and I think that's something that, that does need to improve and hopefully it will. So let's go a step beyond that, because, as you said, the first thing you need is access to some sort of connection and some sort of device. But this is giving us quite clear guidance about the kind of combination of device or use of device that will work best. So for those of us who'd like to give it a try and want to make sure that it works as well as possible, could you give us some guidance here, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this is, is really for the, the tutors um, side of things. The, the connectivity point is tutor and, and student um, devices 
we we really target that recommendations at the tutors because you're the ones delivering the tutoring. So you know, hopefully have a, a willingness to maybe invest in in some of this stuff. Um, and again, what breaking the efficacy ratings down into subcategories here, we looked at the devices that people were using and their their um, reported efficacy of online. And essentially, we found that the the easier your devices make it for you to draw on screen, the the more effective you find online tutoring to be. Um, and that exists on a on a sort of a continuous scale. And and the good news is that there are things you can do that are are, are pretty affordable and have a pretty big impact. Um, I've only got a laptop. Yeah. So that and and to be clear, the overwhelming um, majority of Bramble users only have a laptop. I think about eighty percent of our users are just on a laptop. Um, so get again to this point of we're not wanting to erect barriers here. We're not wanting to say you have to have this to tutor online. Most people don't. But if you are looking to improve, then there's a few things you can do. And and actually at the the lowest end of the scale, which isn't covered here, um, but we know from, from conversation and experience. Something as simple as adding a mouse to a laptop rather than just using a trackpad. That's already made your drawing much better. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's the, the absolute sort of bare minimum you can do. Mm. Next up from that is these drawing tablets, graphics tablets that you plug into your computer via USB. Yeah. Typically cost around about £50. Mm. Um, and they make a, a massive difference to your ability to draw on the screen and they're sort of the the real sweet spot for if you're new newish to online tutoring and you're wanting to make a small investment to improve what you're able to offer then one of those drawing tablets makes a, a massive difference now i'm not clear i don't know if this is a rookie question do is it who should have the drawing tablet me or the student or both in an ideal world you'd both have them um but our guidance is first and foremost to the tutor to, to get hold of them. Um, you know, you're the one providing the service. So it's good for you to have the tool to, to make that richer. And you're probably doing a bit more drawing and explaining than the than the student is in the session. So you get a bit more utility out of it. Um, if it's a long block of tutoring with the student, then you know, it may well be worth discussing it with the, the parent. You know, if you know you're going to be doing several weeks um, over, you know, maybe even over the course of a year, then that £50 investment is going to, to pay off. And now a brief word from our founder, Julia Silver. If you'd like to hear more about the ideas we touch on here, or gain the tools to take your own tutoring to the next level, the qualification for tutors could be for you. This live online seminar is facilitated by industry experts who, over four Zoom workshops, will cover the foundations of teaching and learning and how it relates to you as a tutor. The workshops are full of rich discussions where you'll learn alongside other tutors and connect on a professional level. We will teach you how to be the kind of tutor every child remembers. Visit our community space at qualifiedtutorcommunity.org and sign up now for our transformative course. We'll see you there. Let's go into to that section, which is so interesting. So explain this chart to us, please. Yes, yeah, so a bit of a bit of background on this one. Um, so there are a few interesting findings from the 
questions around challenges and benefits of, of online tutoring, because there were some things that in some categories in which the same thing was highlighted by some tutors as a benefit of online tutoring and by others as a challenge. Um, so the two things that, that fell into that camp were question one, did you feel students were more or less focused online? And question two, did you feel you covered more or less content online? And there were a number of tutors who said, we felt our students were more focused and we covered more content. And then there was a, a number, a smaller number, but still a significant number who said the opposite, who said, we felt our students were less focused and we covered less content online, um, which is, was quite interesting to kind of tease, tease out some more detail on. So this here was, was just looking, kind of cross-referencing those answers against the engagement data we had. So to, to, to look and say, those students who, or tutors who reported that they'd found that students were better focused and they covered more content, was that actually the case? You know, when, when we look at the engagement data, did they cover more content? Um, and maybe is that part of the reason students were focused because the, the lessons moved at, at a pace? So the comparison here is between those two groups of tutors, those who felt students were, were covering more content online versus less. And, and sure enough, if you look at the, the, the resources shared in, in those sessions that they felt they covered more content, they shared a lot more resources, a lot more words were spoken, a lot more strokes were drawn. So there was more engagement with the tools in those sessions. Um, so those sessions were sort of being brought to life more. And could, could that have been partly as well, you, you mentioned about experienced tutors and inexperienced tutors. Did you, could you, would you be able to, or could you cross-reference, you know, who, who felt it was more effective? Were they the more experienced tutors? Um, you know, did they cover more content because they've got that experience? You know, is there any data to support that sort of idea, Will? That's a really good question, actually, um, and one we could definitely answer but haven't answered yet. Um, I think something that would be useful to look at as a way of, of tracking that is how engagement with those tools changes over time. So if we look at the first few sessions the tutors delivered, versus once they're 10, 20, 30, 40 sessions yeah. in, are they are they covering more content as measured by words spoken, resources shared and, and strokes drawn? Um, my my gut feel is is probably yes. Um, we have the data, we just haven't asked that question of it yet. Yeah. It could be interesting. And I think the, the, the other interesting point is that yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic study because it really does open up you know, discussion and, and, and just there's so much information in it. But I think also it's the sort of thing that um, I think I think in many ways you've created a, bit, a little bit of a monster in some ways because you're going to have to keep doing this because, as you say, it's going to change over time, isn't it? You know, as people become more experienced, that's going to change and the data is going to change. So it would be a fantastic study, you know, to keep keep going over a period of time so you can track it over months and even years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and even this you know, 30 page report barely scratches the surface of, of the insight that I'm, I'm sure is there, which, as you say, is sort of simultaneously quite exciting and quite intimidating at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a nice problem to have. You know, Adrian, yeah. 
looking at this, I'm thinking about when we when we train our tutors, um, it's so clear that the more you put in, the more you get out. That's mm. what we're looking at here. More strokes equals more engagement. More words equals more engagement. You know, mm. we're constantly talking about the preparation and the and the commitment that that tutors need to show to really make a difference. And that's what this chart looks like to me. It's it streaks ahead when you put more in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it sort of ties in with the idea, isn't it, that, you know, that, 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 that information um, is, you, when, you, when you're teaching, you're delivering information, but it's, it's not just about the delivery of the information. It's about what you do with that, you know, and, and um, the idea of getting that into, you know, the cognitive overload theory, getting that into the long-term memory by actually processing the information. And you can see that here, can't you? You can see where, you know, the, 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 the number of strokes, the more strokes you've got, the more the information is going into the longer term memory. So therefore, the more effective the tutoring session is. And it's, you know, it's very easy online, you know, to, to, to particularly if you've got 40 or 50 people in a group, which, I'm, you know, you wouldn't have in tutoring. But, you know, some courses are that sort of number. And it's very easy to be passive in that. And yeah. I guess that it's probably quite logical that they would be receive the, the least amount of impact really i think when you put that alongside the smart search option that we're going to discuss next time will um so that means that all of these sessions are any session that a student has on bramble is recorded and they can access them and they can search for the keyword so you're mentioning about cognitive load, Adrian, and you know if we want a student to be able to embed this material in their long-term memory, going back to this session with all these stimulating resources, tons of good back and forth in, in, in speaking and listening, and all the strokes bringing it together on the page, and you can go over it again and again and again, the student will take responsibility for getting, that, for getting the most out of that learning session. Well, um, well, let's go right back to the beginning of the report because what you've been able to tell us here is who's tutoring what and where. Let's start with where because this is a nice map, isn't it? Yeah, so this was, again, something we looked at when we wanted to dig into that efficacy rating um, and, and we explored a few different factors and we thought one that it might be quite interesting to look at would be a kind of geographical distribution of those efficacy ratings. Um, so this is based on the, the respondents um, in the UK. And what you can see on this map is a number of, of hexes, each of which is a, a 10 kilometer squared uh, area. And what we've done is aggregate the ratings within that area on whether they found generally tutoring to be far more effective, more effective, as effective, less effective, far less effective. Um, so the, the average score there is, is what's represented. Um, there's probably a bit more digging to be done to, I couldn't quite sort of make out the, the patterns here, um, but it was was interesting to see the, the distributions, interesting to see some pockets. Um, so you know, most of London generally was sitting around as effective headed out to West London and, and the ratings skewed towards more effective. Maybe that represented internet infrastructure or device access, perhaps. Um, it's probably a, a few too many missing pieces of information for us to be able to say that 
fully confidently, um, but that's the, the question it, it raises. It was interesting to see um, sort of cities in, in the north yeah. performing quite well. Um, so clusters in, in Manchester and Liverpool where the, the ratings were, were very high. Um, and then actually, I guess as well, kind of dotted around all over the place, there were, there were pockets where the, the ratings were, were very positive, which again, may or may not overlap with, with access to internet connectivity and, and devices. I'm seeing two more layers here. I'm seeing an element of people picking up ideas from each other, which happens when people live close together. So those would be the cities. And then it's reminding me, um, one of our team members, Dave Harris, um, was just telling me that he used to provide tutor training for au pairs who are working in rural areas. So the training was delivered online because they couldn't get in to the regular language centers that au pairs tend to attend. So because they weren't in, they weren't in or near a center, they, they were forced to learn how to work online long before the rest of us. And, and so these spaces where people are rating as far more effective in really rural areas, maybe that's a needs must situation. Mm. Yeah, see, that's an interesting angle. I hadn't, hadn't considered that one. It's an interesting map that, Will, because when, when Julia and I have talked, when, when Julia was setting up Qualified Tutor, um, she, she, you know, she came to me and we were chattering away and I, I, I was left wondering, you know, is, is, there, is there a market in tutoring? Is, you know, is it a, now where I'm based is, is probably just about under the, the N in United Kingdom. So right at the top there. There's um, no tutoring happening here. Look at that. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I was, and that, that was just my experience of, um, you know, working in schools within this area and those sorts of things. But it is, it's absolutely fascinating to see that. But also, as you said, Will, you can you can actually map through that the cities, can't you? You can see cities, and you wonder whether something in cities is either either going wrong, or is something in cities going right? <laughs> or it's, <laughs> you know, it's a subtle difference in some way. Well, it's not a subtle difference; it's a huge difference. But it's an inter it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah, really interesting. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about subjects? Who's tutoring what? Yes, so the the next sort of level of analysis we wanted to to look at was was going beyond the the survey findings really, which were all about efficacy and, and what can we do to Im improve that and to begin looking at content because um, we think it's very interesting to have an understanding of what students are being tutored in um, because by definition what they're being tutored in, is indicative of perhaps what they're struggling with at school. Um, so there's a few different levels we can conduct this analysis. The, the first and, and, and perhaps obvious one is at the subject level. Um, so we actually developed a, a, an, an AI algorithm that enables us to identify the subject taught in any given online tutoring session automatically. So we can use that algorithm and apply it to the sessions taught on Bramble, and it will give us a sense of, of what subjects are generally being taught online. So the chart you can see here was performing that, that AI analysis of subjects taught on Bramble in Q1 and 2 um, of, of this year. 
And sure enough, as I'm sure most people in, in tutoring would, would be able to tell you, maths is by far and away the most tutored subject. Um, so almost 40% of sessions on Bramble in that window were math sessions. Um, then you had English coming in around 17%, and then the, the sciences together making up another um, 35%. Um, so the, the bulk um, is maths, English, and the, the sciences. Yeah, it's not a surprise, is it? Because that's what. They I, so I, I think that that subject level analysis is is really the the first pass. Because um, as you say, we sort of know that already, um, intuitively, anecdotally, um, and and choosing organisations are aware of that. But I think where it becomes more interesting is when you dig into the next level of analysis and you say. Okay, so we know what subjects are being taught, but what topics are being discussed? That's this difficult topic. Um, Charles, first, you have to say to me, explain to me how to how to say this word. <laughs> um, well, I'll I'll, I'll backtrack uh, a little bit um, and, and try and give a bit of bit of context for for what we're we're doing here. Um, so, I mean, you hear AI thrown around all, all over the place now. It's, you know, real risk of becoming a bit of a, a buzzword. Um, but like all of these things, it actually encompasses a, a, a great range of different areas and different approaches. Um, and, and the first question to ask is, OK, when you talk about using AI, what approach are you using and, and why? Um, and what questions are you trying to answer based on, on that? approach. Um, so the method we used here is, is part of a, a suite of approaches called topic modeling. And what topic modeling looks to do is take a, a big unstructured data set, typically textual data, and try and identify topics within that data. Um, and, and topics in this context are, are not our kind of uh, academic lens of, of topics, but a, a broader sense of different topics of, of discussion. Um, so topic modeling enables us to, to do that um, and it is a form of, of unsupervised machine learning to try and tease out these insights. In this instance, the particular type of topic modeling um, we used is called a latent Dirichlet allocation. Um, which gets shortened to LDA, which is much easier to, uh, to say. Um, and the, the really nice thing about the, the LDA model is it lends itself to this visualization, which I think actually um, is hopefully quite in, intuitive to, to understand in that it enables us to answer three questions. It enables us to understand the prevalence of any given topic. So within the data set, how, how much of the, the sessions are relating to this topic A versus, versus topic B. Um, it also tells us about the content of that topic because it identifies relevant terms within that topic. So it enables us to say, okay, topic A is, is discussing this and topic B is discussing that. And then the final thing it gives us is a sense of the relationship between topics. So if we look at this visualization on the left-hand side here, it's telling us Two of those two of those things is showing us the prevalence of a topic that's proportionate to the size of the the circle um so the most prevalent topic here topic one is the largest circle and then they're numbered numbered with with descending prevalence 
So that's the first thing the visualization on the left shows us. The second thing it shows us is the relationship between topics. So we can see that topic one is quite similar to topic four, but quite different from topic three and topic five. Uh -huh. and then, Wait, so do, do I know what topic it is? This I've just got my learning hat on now. Do I know what topic this is? What is topic? So that, that's what the right-hand panel tells us. So the right-hand panel informs us what is being discussed in that topic. Um, so what you can see on the right-hand side there is the top 30 most relevant terms for right. that topic. So you click on a different topic and it will show you the relevant terms. Um, relevance is, is defined according to a, a mix between frequency and uniqueness of the term. Um, so the most frequent term across all topics is okay. That's not particularly relevant. Um, so you, you have a you have a relevance metric which you can can fine tune, which enables you to say actually I want to find more unique terms that appear only or more considerably more in this cluster than they do in in another cluster. Um, so that's what the relevance comes from. Because one is in this bottom left quadrant and two is in the top left quadrant and three is in the bottom right quadrant are we saying that the tutors are covering lots of different topics at at depth and scale is that what you're showing me here so, so what this is is showing is that tutors are covering distinct topics in different oh. sessions yeah. um and it does to a certain extent display the the kind of range of those topics but actually that's that's more a property of the level at which we do the the analysis so this analysis here is based on 40,000 representative sessions um, across all subjects uh, something we can look at doing next would be to just look at biology sessions and see how many topics kind of tease out there um, but this is a kind of looking across the the universe so you can see a variety of, of different subjects um, so for, for reference, topic three is English, um, and, and further down in the report, we can see that the top worm, words are poems, metaphors, paragraphs, characters, and that sort of tallies with the fact that it's quite a long way from topic one, which is maths, specifically number, um, whereas topic four, which is close to topic one, is also maths, but very clearly geometry. Um, we can see terms like circumference and hypotenuse. I think if you, if you scroll a bit further down, you'll see that. Um, comparison between between one and four. Yeah, so that's now looking at, at four, um, and you can see triangle, angle, pi, hypotenuse, clearly geometry, which is distinct from the, the kind of number and, and algebra sessions that were taking place in one. And the sizes tell us that students spend more time on number than they do on geometry. And that, I think, is a, a, a novel insight into what students are being tutored in. Telling, telling you that they're being tutored in maths more than anything else probably isn't news. Telling you that the focus is more on number than geometry, I think, is, is, is hopefully news. <laughs> yeah. School something, doesn't it, Adrian? Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about the, the, the use of this world because it, it, it strikes me that, that you've got something here that is incredibly valuable in terms of knowledge because it's it, i'm not aware of any studies of, of this depth but you know as, as a, a classroom teacher i'd be looking at this and saying that well you know some of those things i i know st students will struggle with but 
you know, th this is a, a big enough data set to actually be be quite valid, isn't it? So you've got you've got some really good information there that people can use in terms of planning, in terms of preparation, and you know, all those sorts of things. I, I just think it's uh, I think it's magnificent actually. Yes, I do as well, and I'm I, I can't resist the overlaps. I'm beginning to have an inkling since one is maths and three is English. I'm beginning to have an inkling what 13 and 15 these overlaps might be in 9 and 11. Will you tell us? Yes. So, I mean, the, the first thing to note at risk of uh, making this sound even more complicated uh, <laughs> is that the, the, the topic distances are actually being mapped multidimensionally and we're then flattening it to two dimensions. So whilst we, we can learn something from looking at the, the two-dimensional spaces between topics, there is a kind of additional layers that we just can't visualize. Um, but having, having said that, um, those overlapping topics were the, the ones I found most interesting, perhaps in, in no small part due to having studied biology, um, but those are biology sessions. Um, so 9, 11, 13, and 15 are all biology sessions. Wow. Um, and again, I think if you if you scroll down a bit further, there's a, a comparison of the most relevant terms for the keep keep going down a, a bit a bit more. Um, and it's the I think it's the final one. Um, keep going. Yeah. So this is the one. Um, if you zoom out a little bit, you'll be able to see. So this is the oh. the relevant terms for those topics. Um, so 9, 11, 13 and, and 15. And what's really interesting is you can see that they're representing very distinct areas of biology. So topic nine is kind of nervous system and immune response. Um, topic 11 is, is more human physiology, discussion of ventricle, blood, atrium. So it's heart and, and circulation. Um, and there's some overlap between topic nine and topic 11, which I would expect they're both broadly physiology. Um, and then topics 13 and 15, which you remember were, were slightly separate, are more biochemistry. Um, so topic 13 is, is really looking at, at, at cell division, really, and, and replication. So chromosomes, mitosis, chromatids, and the, and the various phases of mitosis. And then topic 15 is very much looking at energy and respiration. So you've got ATP, pyruvate, NAD, glycolysis. So again, there's a bit of overlap between um, those topics because they use they're, they're, they're both broadly within biochemistry, um, but also this analysis is showing us that they're being taught often fairly distinctly. I think you've blown my mind. <laughs> um, but I know that lots of our tutors can keep up with what you said, <laughs> but I feel much, much more comfortable with this. So let's finish off with this. What yes, so I, th I think this actually um, links really nicely to the, the point Adrian made, um, which is, you know, why do we do all of this stuff to help make tutoring and, and education more effective, ultimately? Um, and, and a big part of that is, is working with teachers and, and schools and then trying to provide them with, with insights into the tutoring that their students are receiving. Um, so these AI synopses are generated for every session delivered on Bramble. Um, and what they mean is that it's very easy for tutor, student, but also the teacher who wasn't a participant of that session to see exactly what was covered in that 
lesson. Um, so that enables them to kind of keep in sync with the, the tutoring that is being delivered. And, and we know from a number of studies now that kind of the closer that relationship between school and tutor, generally the better outcomes you see from, from tutoring. Um, but the challenge you've got to solve there is all of these people are really busy. Um, so how do you provide them with that insight in a way that doesn't create additional work? Um, and, and that is, of course, where, where technology comes into play. So being able to show these, these AI synopses against specific sessions and then stepping further back, being able to show a teacher at a class level, here are the topics and concepts your students have discussed. And I, I think um, further down in the report, we look at specific key terms, you know, frequency that they're being used. Um, and you can see that that analysis at a class and school level is going to be really interesting, um, you know, in complement with that analysis we're doing at a more sort of population level. Mm. Yeah. I'm telling you that if, I, if I'm working in a school where my students are being taken out for tutoring, the tutor can send me a word cloud like this and I'll be able to see at a glance what they've covered. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. My teachers would give me give me all their assessment and planning data like this. I'd be much more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so visual and engaging. And I don't know if you've spotted, but um, Xbox is here. <laughs> so they, they had a proper good chat, didn't they? Yeah, you can tell a story by reading these word clouds. Absolutely. The other thing about it, Julia, is, is you know, as a teacher, that that's so easy to absorb, isn't it? You you can absorb that in milliseconds, can't you? Yes, yes, I really can. And you I can drill down where you need to drill down. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fabulous. Really fabulous. So, Will, we're going to wrap up here because you and I have a whole other session up our sleeves. So I'm going to save something for next time. But I think from from our point of view, we want to thank you because you've taken you've taken us as a profession to another level. You've helped, not only you've improved our reach as tutors, but it's done with such intention and intelligence and it quite inspirational, the enthusiasm that's clearly going behind all this data that um, we're, we're really, really excited to, to be part of this conversation with you. Adrian, is there anything else you wanted to share? No, I, I, I think it's a great study and I think it's, um you know it needs to be used doesn't it it needs to be the sort of thing that the information contained within it um is is so important because it it, it can shape what we do in the classroom and that's you know so important isn't it absolutely and and, and that's why we, we sort of want to share this stuff and, and make it widely available um to help inform and advance that that conversation um so thank you um both for for, for being part of that as well a real, real pleasure. If anybody who's been listening or watching would like to um, explore the report more, and I'm sure you will, um, it's on the bramble.io website and the blog. Really easy to find. It's also all over Twitter by now. So two thumbs up. Thank you so very much. And we're looking forward to speaking to you next time. Great. Lovely to talk to you both. Thanks, Thanks Will. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Qualified Tutor Podcast, where tutors share their expertise to support the tutoring community. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor Community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes below. 
We exist to connect, share and learn with you because tutoring is a small job that makes a big difference.